this episode, we are back talking about past lives. So this is the third episode in our past lives series. Here, both Jamie and I are going to tell you about a really amazing story of people who, as kids, had vivid, sort of life-consuming recollections of past lives. So interesting that they had so much information that they found the people they claimed to be before and actually reconnected with some of those people in their lives. So Jamie will be telling you the story of Shanti Devi and I will be telling you the story of James Leiniger. So stay tuned. These are such cool stories. This is Heather Wood and Jamie Hayhurst and this is the Intuitive Girl's Guide. Hey guys, welcome back for episode three about past lives. Hey Jamie. Hey, how are you? I'm good. I'm excited. We have two really cool stories about other people's past lives and their experiences, um, both kids. Um, And so we're going to tell you about those and tell each other about those. I'm psyched. Are you ready? Yeah, so cool. Okay, so we're going to tell you the stories of James Leiniger and Shanti Devi. Um, And I'm going to put in the show notes, if you go to embodylove.me slash intuitive girls, I'll put some of this info up in the show notes too. So you can um, go back and see some of the cool, the cool things. So you can check that out too. All right. So Jay, can I tell you about James Leiniger first? Yeah, let's hear it. Okay. So James Leiniger is, um, was a little boy. He's from the United States. Um, When he was two years old he started having these really intense nightmares Mm -hmm. and mom would go in because he would be yelling and kicking his feet up at the ceiling, um, saying plane crash planes on fire. Little man can't get out. Oh no. I know. (laughs) It went on for months. His mom said that like three or four nights a week, he would have these really intense, intense nightmares. Um, which I think is a bit unusual for two, a little bit older. I can see big nightmares like this, but right at the same time, James had this incredible love obsession and huge amount of knowledge about airplanes. Um, and he really didn't have a reference for it. He would constantly be talking about airplanes. And in one of the interviews I watched, his mom was like, it's not like we were watching war documentaries. He watched like Teletubbies and Barney and that's it. So like, I don't know where he was getting this info from. Wow. Right? So there's really no, no reference for it in his life mm-hmm. other than where he mentioned it in his nightmares and like the toys he had and his obsession with playing that he was a pilot. Okay. So James's mom is talking to her mom about this, trying to figure out what to do for James. It's like, what's going on with him? And she says, she has got to be one of us. She's got to be a fellow empath, this mom, this grandma. Right. She says, I wonder if it's a past life. <laughs> there you go. And the door was opened. Yeah, exactly. Now, here's the thing, though. This is a family of evangelical Christians. Oh, so the idea of past lives, not, not fitting well, not, not a good idea for them. They don't like this idea. They're right. very uncomfortable with it. In fact, the dad, his direct quote is that it sounded like a whole lot of baloney. <laughs> nice. 
Yeah. Very supportive. Very exactly. supportive. Exactly. Um, now, dad comes around eventually, but at this point, he's not into it. But it's it's becoming so intense for James that they end up reaching out to um, a, a woman, a psychiatrist. She's pretty well known. Um, her name is Carol Bowman. So mm-hmm. I'll I'll put her in the in the show notes too. But she has a few books about past lives and specifically about helping kids um, manage mm-hmm. remembering past lives. She's a cool chick in herself. Okay. So they call her in to help. Nice. And so what they, what she kind of trains them to do is, especially at bedtime, when James is starting to get kind of drowsy, um, to ask him questions about his, his past life or his nightmares or what he knows. Okay. Solid advice, I think, because you know, that drowsy state where you're sort of, you're less worried about what it sounds like. Right. Exactly. It's more natural. Yes. Now I'm going to tell you some of the stuff he says, Mm -hmm. um, and I want to just remind you again that he's in between two and three years old while he's saying all these things. Okay. He's not like eight in coming up with this stuff. Two, right. three, right? Okay. So he says, and in the way that they ask the questions, I think is important too, because as he brings it up, they just like further inquire about it. Like as, that was very much Carol Bowman's advice. So if he starts talking about the plane crash, they'd mm-hmm. say like, Oh, why did your plane crash? You know what I mean? They weren't, it wasn't a separate like interrogation. Yeah. They weren't leading him through, through info. Exactly. So little James says that his plane crashed because it was shot by the Japanese. Um, he, here's, I'll just give you the list of things he says. He says he flew off a ship called the Natoma. Um, He was shot in Iwo Jima. He says he is the third James. He refers to himself as the third James and even signs the, the like little pictures that he write. He draws James three. Wow. And he talks a lot about a friend that he had who was a fellow pilot, he said, named Jack Larson. Okay. That's a lot of information. There is. And there he there's even more. But these were the ones that I picked out that I thought were really awesome. So... The dad actually decides to do a little research Mm -hmm. and he confirms every single thing on James's list of things he's telling them. So, um, there was a a boat, a ship called the Natoma Bay that was working in world war two, um, in Japan, Mm -hmm. Iwo Jima. And there was a pilot on that, on that mission only one pilot died on that mission and guess what his name was larson nope what james houston jr no so he's the third james now did confirm his best friend god okay gotcha i know let me go back (laughs) because there's two big pieces of information so his friend Jack Larson, they did find another pilot who flew with James Houston Jr. named Jack Larson. There is a picture, I'll put it up on in the show notes, of, of <laughs> James Leiniger, this little kid, with this Jack Houston. They found the guy and they took a picture together. Oh my god. <laughs> no. But the pilot who died, James Houston Jr. So that James Houston Jr. would have been the second James, right? Right. 
So this is the third James, James wow. three. Isn't that crazy? Yes. <laughs> so they also they also showed him pictures of um, sort of the crew, like pictures that James Houston Jr. was in. And he pointed out and recognized shipmates by name. That's so cool. But like crazy, but cool and wild. It's wow. Exactly. Um, so here's a couple of other little observations that are, are basically my opinion on this. Okay. okay. When you watch these parents interviewed, and there were a lot of interviews, like mm-hmm. They did the, they did like the new, the, the morning news circuit, some talk okay. show circuits. They were out there. Um, and they also wrote a book about James's experience called soul survivor. Um, oh. they were, they were promoting that too. I haven't read it, but I, I would be interested in looking at it for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, when you're watching these parents, I get a little bit of a, my heckles, like they go up a little bit. I'm like, mm, I feel protective of James. Like right. they're a little bit, they're like exploiting him a little bit in my opinion. They're, they're a little too showy or I don't, I, this probably sounds really bad, but you know, when you see parents who are like really riding the train of something with their kids, right? It, like it's it like a little uncomfortable dance mom or something. Yes. Now I totally believe James Leiniger was James Houston Jr. And he remembers that I a hundred percent believe him, but there definitely is this quality to the way the parents talk about it that I don't know, seems just like a little much to me. Does that make sense? And does he, why does he want to be on a TV show about it? Right. Right. Like as a child, he's just looking he feels the pull of this past life and he's looking to connect to it somehow, but it's not like he was looking to write a book about it or have it written about him or be on some talk show circuit or something. I mean, that's not about him. That's about, that's about the parents. Totally, 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 totally. So there is that sort of element. There's this element when you're watching the parents where they're something about the way that they're speaking is very rehearsed. Um, Obviously for them to, to come from an evangelical background, that's like a very strict religion to going on talk shows and talking about your kid's past life. Um, like that's going to be a lot. So like total credit to them for being open enough and like loving their kid enough to like explore this and not let their current belief system sort of restrict that. Yeah. That's a big leap right there. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so there's there's a couple more things. So they they bring James when he's a little bit older. Um, I couldn't figure out how, exactly how old he was in the video of this, um, but I'm gonna guess he's like seven in this video. They take him to they find the place that James Houston Jr.'s plane went down in Japan, mm-hmm. and they take him there, and they hold a memorial service for James Houston Jr. and it's filmed and it was like on TV. <laughs> okay. It is weird, Jay. It is wow. it is weird to watch. He puts like this wreath in the water and he's sobbing and I could tell that there must have been some direction for him like I'm going to guess and I, I couldn't confirm this, but I'm going to guess maybe Carol Bowman gave them like gave him some things to say. Like he was right. saying stuff like I'm letting you go now. Like 
you know what I mean? Like, right. Like therapeutic. Things. Yes. So yep. the fact that they did this, I am supportive of the fact that it was like filmed and put on TV everywhere. Mm. Was, was a little weird. It was, it was a yeah. Little that's a little unnecessary. It feels a little gratuitous. Yeah. It's weird. Yeah. So you, you can find the video on YouTube again. It, it made the news circuit. Um, so, you know, think what you will. That made me slightly uncomfortable, but just a quick update. James Leiniger is now 22. Um, I'm actually, while I'm thinking of this too, I'm going to put on in the show notes, a picture of James Leiniger next to James Houston Jr. Now that he's a little bit older, you can see they do really look a lot alike. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I want to see that. Um, but James Leiniger is, he joined the Navy. Wow. I know. Isn't that interesting? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty cool. It is pretty cool. Yeah. So, so yeah, that's, that's my story about, about little James, um, who's not so little anymore. He's 22 now, but there's plenty of, of videos and information that you guys can check out. And we would love for you to let us know, um, give us some feedback about what you think of, of James's story for sure. Right. Absolutely. All right. So will you tell me about um, Shanti Devi now? Yeah. So this is, this goes back further. This um, Shanti Devi was born in 1926 in Delhi, India. Um, and at the age of four, like we discussed in episode one, you were saying that this happens like with children that are much younger saying things that um, a child of that age wouldn't normally say. Um, so she kept saying at four years old, she wanted to go to her real home. I want mm-hmm. to go to my real home and I want to go find my husband. Yeah. Four-year-olds don't say that. <laughs> no, right. Like real home, like implying that this was fake. That's the, that's sort of the red flag that it's not just a child talking fantastically or nonsensically. Um, and then she, and then she named her home, which was um, a city called Mathura or Matura. Um, that was 90 miles away from where she was currently living in Delhi. Um, wow, that's interesting. That's I feel like that's not that far. No, it doesn't feel that far. I mean, probably far, like, as the parent who's hearing the story. Right. But when you think about it, when you look back on it, you're like, oh, if you were going to reincarnate, that this sounds very close. <laughs> right, exactly. She also started speaking and using the dialect of that city, which was different from the, the dialect that people spoke in 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 Delhi so it'd be like maybe like maybe my like me starting to speak in a southern accent as opposed to like a Boston accent right like it just started speaking differently that's Um, a lot for a four-year-old right and so this went on for a couple years and then when she was six years old I think Shanti had had enough and she decided to run away (laughs) she decided to go she was determined she wanted to go to Mathura Matura and find her husband um, it's a long time. Like that's two years of obsession with this. Like most right. of the time, if little kids have an obsession, they're not going to hold on to it for two years. Exactly. And so she said that she was going to find her husband, and she said that um, she was married and that she had died ten days after childbirth, and she wow. was going and she was going to find her husband. Um, she named him at six years old. She named the husband. What? And she, and so, and, and remember that this is, and so my cynical brain, as I'm, as I'm like researching this, I'm like, well, maybe like some, maybe she found it or something, but this is 1934. Yeah. So this is pre 
internet, pre-YouTube, yeah. pre-Wikipedia, all this stuff. Like, she couldn't stalk him on Facebook. Correct. So she's naming a husband by name, a child, and a city with its dialect. That's and then she, and she decides to go there. Oh, my God. Oh. So, I'm not exactly sure why, but her headmaster at her school got involved and decided to help and figure out what was going on. I think the, the runaway was... Um, caused him to get involved and so he started to look into it and he found this man by this name in the city and confirmed that his wife had died nine years earlier oh my god after childbirth so it was like that that, it's too many things it's not like two of those things were right like all of them were right They were all right. And so there were, of course, people that disputed it. But the part that I found was interesting was that Mahatma Gandhi, who's this big spiritual leader, this big political leader um, in India at the time, he got involved and looked into the case and he supported her claim. Wow. I mean, you've got got Gandhi's back. Gandhi on your side, right? (laughs) Pretty (laughs) legit. Right. And Gandhi (laughs) believes you. Um, And... And like with your story, she did have these times where she got older. She had these, um, not like claims to fame, but she did have these sort of runs in her lifetime two, at two different times throughout her life. She died in 1987. Um, so there was one point where the story got some notoriety and it was publicized and it was talked about for a while. And then again, in the um, early 80s, it caught wind again. People caught wind of the story. Um, and it was on the news and in newspapers and stuff. And then, um, and then she passed away in 1987. Okay. Wow. So who knows where she is now? (laughs) (laughs) Is she she back yet? (laughs) I don't know. Maybe she is. I wonder if there's anyone out there claiming to be Shanti Devi. I wonder like where it's publicized, you know? Right. And so, and I think when we talked in episode one, is that like these stories tend to happen when there's a trauma like this, like they come back really soon. They come mm-hmm. back to sort of finish up what had happened in the life before, um, which our two stories both speak to those points. I don't, I don't think that you have a soul that is always so cognizant and aware at every single lifetime. I think that's too draining. And I think it's too much information to be doing that in every single lifetime to be so aware I agree. I think there's got to be that tie. And I know we talked about this in the first episode of like dying kind of traumatically and unnaturally and maybe feeling like you didn't finish like whatever your work was or your mission and you sort of jump back quick. Um, I, I think that's got to have, you know, some tie to, to both of these stories and a lot of them that we see. Right. I mean, Shanti left her husband and her 10 year old baby. I mean, 10 day old baby. Right. I mean, I can understand that you would feel like you that was unfinished. That wasn't how she wanted it to end. Right. Let me get back and and check on these people and make sure they're keeping their act together. Yeah. Yeah. That's it's just so fascinating to me. I don't I don't tend to not believe people with their story. I tend to my cynical part goes to like how how much of this is true and how much did you do you have to like fabricate maybe to prove it to people like because we're so caught up in like proving everything. Right. And I know I mentioned this before too, but like coming from a background 
like you and I have, when our kids tell us about past lives, it's really not like call the newsworthy and it's also not disrupting our belief system. So we aren't going to like probably publicize that and put that out there as much as maybe these stories with such specific detail, um, maybe not really being believed by your parents at first brings that in, you know, more. Right. Exactly. That too, you know? Right. And I think Heather, we should add to um, your, like the pictures from your story, there are pictures that were taken of Shanti with her husband that mm. she, they, the headmaster introduced them together. So there's a photo of, of her, this little girl sitting with this grown man that. That seems like such awkward sauce. I can't even, I'll, I'll put that on the, I'll put that on our show notes too. Oh my gosh. I mean, the picture of, of James Leiniger with Jack Larson is awkward, but I mean, that's a whole other level of awkward where, I mean, imagine the guy in the picture being like, oh, this is a picture of me with my, my ex-wife. I, I don't know if he former said ex-wife. Wife, right, yeah. Right. Former wife. Right. She's right. now a child. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, I think, I think it's tough for that guy. Something to explain. I love it. I love stories like this. I could, I could listen to and dive into them all day long. I think they're super fun, but I think these two stories were both, incredibly cool I agree I think that I think they cover like the spans of, of time and um and different sort of like cultural like different parts of the world I think they were really cool yes absolutely so I'll put information about them in the show notes about both James and Shanti um and again that is embodylove.me slash intuitive girls um and there's also a place for you to give us feedback so we'd love to know what you think of these stories um um, and if you come up with any questions or maybe you know you know something about them that you could add in, we would love to to hear yeah. from you. So please Definitely. do that too. <laughs> All right, awesome. So next time when we come back, um, we're going to talk about a conspiracy. I have a conspiracy theory about someone who I believe is somebody who came back, like a past life conspiracy. I'm going to tell you about Jay. Uh oh, I to hear it. <laughs> Stay tuned. All right, we'll talk to you later. Bye, Jay. Bye. See you later.